<laughs> All right, good morning, guys. Hey, get your Bible. Turn me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is where you guys are turning. Man, I'm so blessed to be able to be here with you guys. Man, my prayer is that I can hide behind the cross and take you guys to Jesus, okay? Uh, my prayer is you guys came here with the attitude of worship, uh, ready to worship him through song, but also as we dive into God's word that we know is active and living. Are you with me, church, okay? Uh, I'm going to get you guys to talk to me a little bit, so if you listen, say I am. All right, you got it going on, man. I love it. Uh, you guys have energy. I'm going to have energy. So let's rock and roll with this. So again, you're turning to James chapter 1. We're going to unpack this really quickly, and I'm going to draw you guys a picture this morning, okay? Uh, what we're going to see is basically James points out two things that you and I are going to face in the world today, okay? Two things that we're going to face. And then after we unpack that, we're then going to see what he says we must do because of these two things. Are you with me, church, okay? So James chapter 1, uh, go with me to verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, check this out. Look what it tells us. It says, consider it pure joy. Can you imagine that? Everybody say joy. He says, consider it pure joy. Watch this. My brothers, so we know he's speaking to believers. Look what he says. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Come on now, church. So the first thing he points out is you and I, in this world today, we're going to face trials. Are you with me? Okay? And here's what he says. When you face those trials, he says, consider it pure joy. Can you imagine that, church? When you and I face trials in our life today, a lot of times we don't consider it pure joy. Are you with me, okay? Can you imagine someone coming to you and saying, hey, man, I know you struggle with finances. Hey, I know you got a trial right now going in your, in your family or maybe with your health or, or you got some kind of trial going on at work. You know what? Consider that pure joy. Here's what he's doing. He is saying as you and I face trials, he says you and I got to see it as an opportunity. Everybody say Opportunity. We have an opportunity to see that trial and face that trial and understand that that trial is there for a reason. Check it out, check it out, for you and I to grow closer to him. Come on now. That trial is in our life so that you and I can grow in our walk, so we can grow in our prayer life, so we can grow in our knowledge of God, so you and I can grow closer to him as we dive into God's word. We're going to face trials. We don't always like it. But as you and I study God's Word, as we read God's Word, and we see the Old Testament and New Testament, guess what, church? They face trials. Yeah. Right? Think about Moses. Uh, even in Numbers chapter 11, he actually prays that God would take his life because of the trials he had in his life. There's trials that are going to take place in our life. We don't always like it, but it happens. You and I got to consider it pure joy. Everybody say joy. The second thing he points out, watch this, and I had to move quickly. Go with me to verse uh, 13. He says, when tempted, and we're going to just stop there, when tempted. So he says, for you and I, what we're going to face today in 2023 is we're going to face trials, but we're also going to face temptation. We see throughout Scripture. We can even use Jesus as, a, as, a, as an example. We know that in Matthew chapter 5, he faced temptation. We know that Satan tempted him at his, uh, at his uh, weakest point. We know that he tempted him at his worth. We know that he tempted him at his wealth. He says, man, if you'll just bow down and worship me, you can have all of this. Okay? And so the fact is, is if the enemy is going to attack Jesus that way, guess what, church? We as believers, we as a prince and a princess to the king, we as a child of God, come on now, you and I are going to face those same kind of temptations. So you and I, as we live this world, the two things that we're going to have is trials. Everybody say trials. Everybody say temptation. I, by the way, I get you to talk to me because of this. It slows me down. <laughs> Come on now. But also I do it so it holds you accountable for what you just said. Think about it. 
So as we unpack this and we see, okay, so here's what James does. And he points this out. Here's what's going to happen. Now check this out. He now begins to explain to us what we must do about it. And he begins to point out three things that God's word needs to be, should be, in your life. And that's what we want to unpack this morning, okay? So James chapter 1, go with me to verse 19. I'm going to show you three things really quickly that James says, as you and I face these trials, as you and I face these temptations, what we must do. Look what he tells us first. He says there in verse 19, my brothers, check this out. He says, take note of this. Each one should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because a human uh, does not uh, produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all more filth and evil that so prevalently and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Watch this, church. Give me eyes. Give me eyes. The first thing that James points out is you and I, when we face these things in life, here's what we must do. We've got to listen to the word. Come on now. See, what we want to do in our world today is you and I, we want to do it our way or we want to do it by our opinion and we face this, that, and the other. He says you and I don't need to listen to Dr. Phil and Oprah. Come on, church. He says for you and I to listen to God's word. And see, here's the difference. Guys, watch this. You guys can, you can talk to me today, okay? Uh, watch. The fact of the matter is a lot of people hear God's word, but they don't listen to God's word. There's a huge difference. It's just like when you tell your kids to go clean your room, and they hear you, but they don't listen to you. Come on now. And so what we got to understand is we face trials, as we face temptations, they're going to come. So we got to get prepared as believers, as a child of God, and we've got to listen to the word. And look how he points this out. I love this. He says, first and foremost, be quick to listen. That's why I speak fast, church. I'm just kidding. Be quick to listen. Here's what he's saying. You and I, when we face trials, when you and I face temptation, you and I have got to remain silent. Remain silent. I don't know about you guys, but when I see someone going through a trial in their life, when I see someone going through a temptation in their life, as a minister, as someone who loves the Lord and loves people, man, I want to help that person. And that's what we should do, right? And pray for them and help them and walk beside them and hold them accountable and do all those things, right? That's what we're called to do, right? But a lot of times what we like to also do is give our opinion. Come on now. I see what you're going through. Here's what you must do. Guys, here's the thing. We need to make sure that we're taking them to God's word. I don't want you to have my opinion. I don't want you to get my opinion. I don't want you to do it my way. I want you to do it God's way. You and I, check this out. We've got to listen to the word. How do we do that? we got to, be, uh, we got to remain silent. Look what he says next. Be slow to speak. I can't say that one, obviously, right? In other words, be ready. Check this out. Be slow to become angry. When you and I face trials, when you and I face temptation, do we ever get angry? Come on now. We do, man. We get angry, and we get mad, and we get frustrated, and we don't understand this, and we don't understand that. Check this out. Watch this. Here's what James is saying. When you and I face trials, when you and I face temptation, he says, you and I need to remember to be calm. Remember to be calm. And guys, we can't do that unless you and I watch this, listen to the word. We can't do it on our ability. We can't do it on our strength. We can't do it our way. We've got to stand upon his promises, church. 
There's 7,000 promises. Some people say up to 32,000 promises in God's word. It's time for you and I as believers that believe in God's word, the very God, the God's word that changed our life, let's stand upon those promises that you and I have. The scripture tells us that he tell, in Hebrews chapter 13, he says, do not be afraid because I am your helper. Stand on that promise. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stand on that promise. God's never changing, church. Are you with me? Maybe I'm just preaching to myself. I don't know. All right, if you listen, say, I am. So he's pointing out trials, temptations. Check this out. I mean, I, I want to go straight to your heart, uh, not over your head, okay? I speak on a third grade level. Are you with me, okay? But watch what he says next. I love this. Go with me to verse 22. Verse 22. Let's read it. It says... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. <laughs> you ever done that, church? Like fixing your hair, walk away, ah! That'd be kind of funny. Anyways, look what he says. He tells us in verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, everybody say freedom. Woohoo, baby, right? You and I have freedom because of what he did in our life. Church, live like it. Are you with me? He says that gives freedom. Look what he says. And continues in it, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Here's what James says. Not only should you and I listen to the word, but you and I also got to practice the word. Put it into your life. Apply God's word to your life. And so right now, what I want to do is I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to, in a loving way, step on your toes a little bit. We're going to see whether or not you and I are practicing God's word. Everybody say, uh-oh. Are you ready for this? Okay. We're going to use God's word. I'm going to give you seven things that God's word wants to be in your life. Okay. We don't got time to turn to every verse. So you guys write these down. Okay. You have homework tonight. Go study it for yourself. Okay. Uh, and look at it yourself. Right. Check this out though. Watch. Write down 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, okay? We'll have a pop quiz in six years when I come back. Are you with me? Okay? 1 Peter, cha 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It talks about God's word wants to be a seed in your life. Isn't that cool? And it talks about that seed is imperishable. And the fact is, what that means is every day you and I need to get up, you and I need to get into God's word, and we need to plant it into our heart. And plant it into our mind so you and I can stand against this world that you and I face on a daily basis. You and I have got to allow God's word to be a seed. Everybody say seed. seed. A seed in our life. Here's the reason why, church. If you and I are diving into God's word, we're allowing it to be a seed. We're planting it to our heart and to our life. Do you think it's going to change us? Come on now. Do you think it's going to mold us? Come on now. You and I are going to begin to live the way he wants us to live. And the fact of the matter is, you and I have got to do it on a daily basis. And I'm telling you, church, if you'll study God's word and you'll read God's word five minutes a day, don't stop, the, stop there, just start there. But if you'll read God's word five minutes a day, I guarantee it will change your life. Because God's word is active and living. You agree with me, church? Watch this, okay? Here's the thing. People don't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the way they should. Who they're reading is you and me. So we got to make sure that you and I are listening to God's word. Check it out. And we got to make sure we are allowing God's word to be a seed in our life so that we can show people that, you know, what we're different. Not because we're better, but because we have a relationship with Jesus. Are you with me, church? So watch this. Write this one down. Write down Psalm 119, verse 105. It shows us two things there that God's word wants to be. It says how God's word wants to be a lamp 
and how God's word wants to be a light in our life. I love that, church. I love the fact that God's word wants to be a lamp in my life. And here's what that means. It wants to guide my daily steps. When I face trials, when I face temptations, God's word wants to guide me through that. Praise God, right? We serve a mighty, powerful, loving God who's never going to leave us nor forsake us. Are you with me, church? Allow God's word to be what it needs to be in our life. Stop turning to Dr. Phil and Oprah. Come on now. Let's run to Jesus. Right? Allow God's word. Check this out. To be a lamp. Here's why that's so, so important. It's because if you and I allow it to be a lamp, then it says it wants to be a light. And what that means is it's going to reveal our future. I have people ask me all the time, Corey, how do I know what God's perfect will is for my life? And the very thing I ask them is this. How well do you know God's word? How often do you read God's word? How often are you studying God's word? Because here's the reason why, church. The better you know his word, the better you're going to know his will. God's word wants to speak to you. God's word wants to change you. God's word wants to just pour into your life. And here's the thing. Everybody say change. change. Anybody here like change? We don't like change, do we? I, I get it, okay? I understand that. But here's what I want to point this out to you. Watch this. It's not that you don't like change. It's just that you and I want to choose who or what we change for. Well, change for the world. Can we prove it to you? How many of you guys are, are still dressed like you did back in the 60s? Come on now. How many of you still have the same hairstyle that you had when you graduated high school? Come on now. How many of you guys still drive the same car that you had back when you first started driving? How many of you guys have the brand new cell phone? Come on now. We change for the world. I'm telling you guys, we got to change for the world maker. And how do we do that? we got to allow God's word to be a lamp and a light in our life. Keep going on. Watch this. Write down Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. All right? The fact of the matter is, God's word wants to be a sword in your life. And it says that that sword is double-edged. Why? Because when we allow God's word to be a sword, sometimes it's going to hurt because it's convicting. But also, it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's going to heal because it's powerful. Isn't that awesome, church? And that's amazing to me to know that you and I serve a mighty God who loves us so much, that has a, a personal relationship with us, that knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and he's going to be able to pour into us. If you're listening, say, I am. But the truth of the matter is, church, watch this, give me your eyes. We have a lot of Christians who have a toothpick rather than a sword. And that's how we live life. We know we're going to face trials, we know we're going to face temptation, and we're here knowing that we have an opportunity to allow this to be a sword, an offensive weapon, and to be able to make a difference for his kingdom, and you and I choose to allow it just to be a toothpick, and we're okay with it. And I'm telling you, church, that's hogwash. Watch. Write down 1 Peter 2, 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says how God's word wants to be milk in your life. All right, so that you, you and I can grow up in our salvation. Anybody here like milk? I'm going to pray for you, okay? All right? I don't like milk, man. That, that's just, uh, hello, okay? Both my boys love milk. I don't get it. I'm the kind of dude, when I eat my cereal, when I'm done with my cereal, I throw the rest of the milk away. Come on now. That is just gross, okay? It's stuff floating around in that, hello, okay? I, I don't do that, okay? But here's what it's saying. The scripture says, God's word wants to be milk in your life. Here's the reason why. Everybody say, Why? Thank you for asking me. It's because this is the only thing that can quench your thirst. Allow God's word to be a milk in your life. My youngest boy loved milk, still loves milk. 
And I can remember when he was a kid, when he would go to bed, we would have to give him a bottle, have milk in it. He would drink that milk. He would go to bed. He would be satisfied. His belly would be satisfied. He would wake up in the morning. We would give him another bottle with milk in it. He would drink it. He would be satisfied go about his business. Much like how you and I do with caffeine. Man, I got to have my coffee. Man, I got to have my Coke. Man, I got to have my Mountain Dew. Whatever it is, right? Can't function without it. I'm telling you guys, the truth of the matter is, you and I, we can't function without this. Allow God's word to be milk in your life. Watch. Don't stop there. Start there. What do you mean? Check it out. Watch. Go with me. Keep your finger here, but go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. This is a big one, okay, that God laid on my heart that I want to challenge you with. As you guys can see, I, I like to use a lot of scripture because I, I want my notes to be scripture, not, not my opinion. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Let's see what this says. I'm about to challenge you and see whether or not you are practicing God's word, and we are going to see whether or not we're allowing God's word to be milk, but also allowing it to be meat. We're going to see whether or not you and I are practicing God's word, or if we're choosing to be, watch this, an immature Christian, or are we choosing to be a mature Christian? I'm not saying you're losing salvation. I'm saying, are you choosing to be a mature Christian or an immature Christian? Let's look at this. Go with me to verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. It's on page 1067, okay? All right, check it out. Watch what it says. It says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In other words, if you and I are lazy with God's word, can I just be transparent with you? You're an immature Christian. It's hard to hear, isn't it? But the reason why I say it is because I love you. The reason why I say it is because I care about you. And the reason why I say it is because I don't care how you came in. I care about how you go out. The fact of the matter is, if you are lazy with God's word, in other words, if the only time you look at God's word, the only time you hear about God's word is on a Sunday morning, you have problems. Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you Monday through Sunday. You and I have got to allow God's word to be what it needs to be on a daily basis. Continue to go on. Go with me to verse 12. Look at what it says here. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. In other words, watch this, church. If you can't share why you believe what you believe, you're an immature Christian. See, I, I, I hear it all the time. Well, Corey, I believe this because this is what my pastors always said. Or, Corey, this is what I believe because this is what I always learned in Sunday school. Or, Corey, I believe this because this is what my parents always told me. That's hogwash. You and I got to get to the point as believers, because watch this, church. You have a relationship with Jesus. Guess what, church? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Guess what, church? You and I have a calling on our life. We've got a purpose. Hello, come on now. You and I got to be able to know why we believe what we believe. And we need to get to the point that we say, I know what I believe what I believe, because this is what God's Word says. Don't take my word for it. Don't take your pastor's word for it. It is your relationship with Jesus. And you've got to get to the point that you can say, I know what I believe what I believe. Because this says about this in God's word. And here's where it says it. Are you with me, church? Are you a mature Christian or an immature Christian? We got a little quiet. But again, I'm trying to challenge you. I want you to grow. And I want you to know where you're at. Because why? So we can change and get where we need to get. Why? Because we need to see a revival take place. Revival is not going to take place in our nation until it takes place in our church. And it's not going to take place in our church until it takes place in who? 
Come on now, it's us. And it's not going to happen by chance. It's going to happen by choice. Whose choice is it? Ours. Are we going to be willing to step up and say, I know why I believe what I believe? Continue to go on. Go with me to verse 13. Check out what it says here. It says, anyone who lives on milk, again, everybody say milk. Check it out, check it out. Being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. So in other words, if you and I, if our diet is only elementary all the time, in other words, if we just allow it to be milk but not meat, we're an immature Christian. Continue to go on, check this out. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Watch this, church. In other words, if you and I are not applying God's word to our life, if we are not practicing God's word on a daily basis, watch, we're an immature Christian. That's what scripture says. And so, guys, that's why you and I need to examine our life. We need to examine our heart. We need to see where we're at. at and we need to see what we need to do to get right with him so God can work and move in our life in a mighty, powerful way. Everybody say, got it. Oh, come on now. Everybody say, got it. All right, y'all with me? Okay. And, and so he is pointing out that you and I have got to not only listen to the word, but you and I have got to practice the word. Check this out. How about, let me give you a couple more, okay? So I said, what does God's word need to be in your life? It needs to be a seed planted into our life. It needs to be a lamp. It needs to guide our daily steps. It wants to be a light. It wants to reveal our future. God's word wants to be a sword in our life, and, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to heal. Are you following me so far? God's word also wants to be milk in your life. God's word also wants to be meat in your life. Check this out. Write down Jeremiah uh, chapter 5 verse 14. It says that God's word, check it out, wants to be a fire in your life. Woohoo, baby! God's word wants to totally consume your heart. It wants to consume your mind. It wants to consume your relationships. It wants to consume your decision making. Everything about you, God's word wants to totally consume you like fire consumes a piece of wood. I'm telling you, church, allow God's word to be a fire in your life. What we're looking at here in James chapter 1, it talks about how God's word wants to be a mirror in your life. Isn't that cool? And what that means is this. As you and I allow God's word to be a mirror, and as you and I are planted into our life as a seed, and we're allowing it to be a lamp and a light and all those things, the fact of the matter is, when we allow God's word to be a mirror, it reflects God's heart and how he loves you and how he cares about you. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find in Scripture how it talks about, guess what, church? You are unique. You know what you're going to find, church? It talks about how you are chosen. You know what it talks about, church? It's the fact that you have a purpose. You know what, church? It's all, you're also going to see as you study God's Word, you're going to find that you have value. Are you with me? Isn't that awesome? Allow God's Word to be a mirror so it reflects His heart. But also allow God's word to be a mirror. Here's the reason why. Because when we allow God's word to be a mirror, it also reflects whose heart? Ours. And we're able to see what we're at. And we're able to see what we need to do so we can get to where we need to get to as we face these trials, as we face these temptations, and we consider it joy because we see it as an opportunity to grow closer to him. If you're listening, say, I am. Check this out. I want to share something with you. I didn't do this this, this uh first service. Check this out. I was in my son's room, my oldest boy is uh, in ninth grade, and I was in his room just the other day. Uh, he was outside, he was working out and doing all some different things, and, and I was just in his room and I was praying for him. God's got his hand on this young man. 
And I don't know what plans he's got for him, but I'm excited about it. Man, he loves the Lord. And as I'm in his room and as I'm praying for him, I look around his room and I find this piece of paper and, and it's got goals for 2022 and 2023. And so I begin to look at it and, I, and as I'm reading all over him, it, it has all of his sport goals that he has and how much he wants to bench, how fast he wants to run, what he wants to do in football and basketball and soccer and baseball and all these different things. But then I get to the important stuff. Check this out. Watch this, church. Everybody say goals. Check this out. As I begin to look at this, it says this, five ways to live for God. To glorify God, and he has a verse. To be elite, he's got a verse. To put an effort, he has a verse. Then he says to stay humble, he has a verse. And then he says uh, how to have the right mind, he has a verse. And he goes on and says this, words, actually no, ways, uh, ways uh, always uh, will be my goal. To share God's message. To read his word every day. To always pray. To wake up and say, good Lord. Good morning, Lord. To be a light in this world that I live in. To memorize scripture on a daily basis. He goes on to say, words of motivation to myself. Always be confident always overcome adversity be competitive in everything that you do push yourself to the limit and always improve I share that with you because guys I was sitting there as I was praying for him and, and as I was looking at this it blew my mind because guys I was sitting there thinking I wish when I was that age that was my goals I wish that was my desire I wish that's what I was living for and, and focused on when I was in, in ninth grade. And then I got to thinking, let's get transparent, church. See, I read that because that is a life that is not only listening to the word, but also practicing the word. Watch. I felt about that small because I began to think, you know what? Truth of the matter is, that's not my goals right now a lot of times. We focus so much on ourselves. Are you with me, church? We focus so much on what we want to do for this, that, and the other, and we're not focused on this the way we should be. If you listen, say, I am. So let's continue to go on. Here he is, and here is James. He says, you know what? We're going to face trials. He says, you know what? We're going to face temptation. He says, what we got to do is listen to the word. What he says we got to do is we got to practice the word. Are you following me? And the reason why I showed you seven things God's word wants to be in your life is because you're not, if you're not allowing God's word to be those seven things in your life, the fact of the matter is you're not practicing God's word. So that's why we got to allow it to be those things. Okay, let me give you one more, and I'm going to draw you guys a picture. Check this out. Go with me to the very next verse there. We're going to go back to James chapter 1. Go with me to verse 26. Verse 26, I love this. Look what it says here. Here's James, and he's pointing out, uh, he basically shows us three things, right? And he says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight ring on their tongue deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our fathers accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Here's what he's pointing out. He's saying, you and I have got to listen to the word. You and I have got to practice the word. You and I have got to obey. Everybody say obey. We got to obey the word. 
In other words, submit into it, right? In other words, behave in it, right? That, that is what uh, you and I are called to do, right? And, and I love what he points out. He's basically saying is this. We've got to love God. We've got to love man. We've got to make disciples. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. And that's what he's basically saying. And, and I want to challenge it to you this way as I look at a triangle, okay? And, and so if you see a triangle here, you have God here, you have man here, you have Christians here. You and I, a prince and a princess and a king, a child of God, you and I here. We are called and created to love who, church? God. Love him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. Watch this. You and I are also called and created to love who? Man. You and I, if we truly love God the way we should, we're going to love man the way we should. If we can't love man, we're not loving God the way we should. Are you with me? And so you and I, if we love God the way we should, we love man the way we should, what we're going to do is we're going to teach man how to love who, church? God. You and I are called to obey the word and live it out. If you're listening, say, I am. Are you with me? Check it out. Let me show you another illustration. Another triangle. Three lines, four spaces in that triangle. The bottom tier says average. The next tier says good. The next tier says excellent. And the top tier says elite. See, they say, and they've done study, and they say 4% of the world today, and whatever they do, choose to be elite. Okay? Only 4%. A husband, 4%. A wife, 4%. A Christian, 4%. And so on and so forth. Okay? All right? Guys, the fact of the matter is, if you look at our world today, give me your eyes, give me your eyes. You look at our world today, most people choose to be average. Would you agree with that? And that whatever it is that they're doing, we choose to be average. Because what we're doing is, we want to set that bar so low that we don't have to work as hard. We get there and we're like, well, that's, that was my goal. Right? See, there's a huge difference between being average and being elite. I don't know about you guys, but my prayer is that you and I as believers, you and I as a child of God, you and I as a prince and a princess of the king, is we understand we have a calling in our life, we understand we have a purpose in our life, we understand we have value. Fact of the matter is, you and I should choose to be elite for Christ. But too many of us, let's just get transparent, let's get real, too many of us want to be average. Because everybody else is. And that's why our world is the way that it is today. Our prayer life is average. Our study time is average. Our walk with Christ is average. All that stuff. And see, there's a, there's a huge difference between elite and average, but it's little things. Let me show you this. Watch. Let's say that your wife, husbands, let's say that your wife comes to you and they ask you to take out the trash. So what we do is we go take out the trash, we tie it up, and we take it to the, the bend outside, and we're done. That's what my wife asked me to do. What's the implied task? Put another trash bag in. Right? But you didn't tell me that part. Right? We all had that conversation. All you uh, wives are, are nudging the husband right now, right? Okay? Have, let me give you another example. Let's say you're at the house by yourself and you are thirsty so you get up you go to the kitchen you open up the cupboard and you see that there's no uh drinks there's no uh, uh glasses there no uh, cups or whatever so you you go do what you open up the dishwasher you recognize that it's totally full and they're all clean so what do we do as an average person we take one glass come on now we fill it up we get our drink and go about our business 
What's the implied task? Put them up. See, and you say, what's the difference? It's that implied task that makes the difference between being average and being elite. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to a walk with Christ, when you and I have an opportunity to share the gospel, instead of being afraid about it or saying, man, I can't do that, or I'm going to just let Pastor Cody to do that, when you and I have an opportunity, we need to make the most of the opportunity and be willing to step up and step out and say, here I am, God, use me. I want to be elite. I'm not saying you got to be, you know, uh, Billy Graham, okay? But if God puts someone on your heart to, to disciple or whatever it is, man, walk with that person, invest in that person's life, pray with that person, do what God has called you to do as a believer and choose to be elite for that person and make a difference in that person's life. We're called to pray, church. Make sure your prayer life is elite. We're called to study God's word and to read God's word, and memorize God's word. Make sure that you are elite in that. Are you with me, church? Why is that important? Because we're going to face trials. Why is that important? Because we're going to face temptation. Are you with me? So guys, my prayer is that this morning, as you and I dove into God's word together, and we saw what James was pointing out, and guys, I was very simple and very basic with you tonight, or this morning. My prayer is you understand, we need to get right with him. We need to get real with him so revival can take place in our life. He says, listen to the word. He says, practice the word. He says, obey the word. Everybody say, got it. Got it. All right. Can I draw a picture for you guys this morning? As I draw this picture, it'll take me about seven or eight minutes to draw a picture. For those of you that were in the first service, I'll draw you a new picture, okay? Uh, and so uh, we'll draw you a picture. Here's my prayer. As you and I drawing this picture and we watch this, allow this to be a time of worship. Your band will be up here playing. I'm going to draw this picture for you. I want you to take this time to examine your heart. Take this time to examine your life. Think about what we just talked about. And if you're not where you need to be, it's time to change. If there's something that you need to lay down, afterwards we'll have an invitation. You can come and lay that down. Maybe there's someone in this room that can say, man, Corey, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, right now what your uh, trial is is a sin in your life, and you need a Savior. If you and I are struggling with math, we're going to go to a math tutor. If you and I are, are struggling with something, something to do with the law, we're going to go to a lawyer. If, you've got something, uh, if you're struggling with sin in your life, you need to run to the Savior. So my prayer is, as we draw this picture, allow this to be a time of worship, and you just examine your life. 